You're listening to the Della Darling Podcast. I'm Emily. And I'm Dara. We're taking Dara's love of telling people's stories, Emily's love of attending events, and our mutual love of the first date, and highlighting the best people to meet, places to go, and things to do that Delaware has to offer. Hello everyone. I'm so excited to be coming back to you guys. I know we haven't posted in a couple of weeks, but we were really excited to sort of organize some great guests for you later on in the episode. Um, But before that, we're going to sort of share some of the fun things that we've been doing and things we've been seeing in the news. And something that you might not know listening from us, because this is like the behind the scenes work, is that um, at the beginning of the month, I think, we got together and we mapped out some guests that we wanted to have on and some things that we wanted to do. Um, and for anyone who knows Emily, they know that she loves to schedule and we're, we're kind of like booked up through December. So October was fun. And I think that I'm like, I'm already thinking about Christmas. I'm thinking about Christmas and I, we actually have also discussed some ideas for the new year. So if anyone knows a registered dietitian who feels really passionately about healthy eating and feeding your body well, Um, send them our way because we're looking to maybe talk with somebody who's really interested in that and has a certification and does their work in Delaware in the new year. Yes, and we will certainly be coming to you with some recommendations of just the events that you've got to hit the holidays, our can't-miss things. Um, I'm already imagining that it's November, but it's not, so I don't want to forget what we've done in October. So, Emily, I know this is your favorite month. Tell me, what were the things you managed to check off your fall bucket list? I um, did two, well, two or three really fun October things. Um, our friend Lisa, so Lisa's our loyal listener. Lisa, the Lisa P. The Lisa P, not the imposter. Um, she and I went apple picking at Milburn, and so we had apple cider donuts. We had hot apple cider. We rode the tractor um, out to the apples. We picked. Um, and we just had a really nice afternoon. And then I made an apple pie with my apples this weekend. That's perfect. I, I'd heard a lot about Ramsey Ford. Why did, I always say that it's Ramsey Ford. Ramsey it's so Farms. embarrassing. It's Ramsey Farms. I had heard a lot about Ramsey Farms in Wilmington, and I don't, I've never been there. And it, this isn't even one of those things where my parents were like, no, we took you there when you were four. You just don't remember. You really didn't go. I really hadn't been there. Um, but I had seen some art, like, I guess the... With the summer weather, some of the pumpkin harvests weren't as good, and I'd seen that Ramsey Farms was being um, quoted a lot in the news as, like, this is kind of, like, northern Delaware's pumpkin patch. Um, So I wanted to check it out. Um, I figured, worst-case scenario, I'd just, like, walk around the farm for a little bit. Um, And I discovered it's kind of close to the... It's really close to the PA border and over by um, the Brandon Wine River Museum. It was a a really nice drive. there were, like, it was definitely more of, like, a kids, like, a family thing. Like, you go with your kids, and I don't have kids. It is tough sometimes. Um, I find the same thing when I go to Melbourne. Uh, I'm in this awkward stage of life where um, I'm not a teenager, I don't have children, and I'm also not retired. And I don't, I don't quite know, because a lot of the things I like to do are sort of geared toward those three demographics mm-hmm. in some way. You can still watch Hocus Pocus, though, and I know that you've done that several times. Oh, I have done that several times this season. And Nutmeg is here with us as well, and she's wearing her festive holiday t-shirt. Yes, so she has Halloween costumes, but her t-shirt is green, and it said, I'm here for the booze, B-O-O-S, but it has a picture of a martini. 
I get it. I get it. She thinks it's really um, annoying to wear, but I think it's really funny. Will you and Nutmeg be handing out candy to her treaters? Um, we, I think, are actually going to go over to my parents' house. Um, my house gets a little too inundated with trick-or-treaters, and I just cannot afford to spend hundreds of dollars on candy. So, um, my parents have just a few neighbor kids that we know, and I like to see them dressed up. So, I think we're going to go over there, especially because all the trick-or-treaters at my house is a high-stress event for Nutmeg. So, speaking of Halloween, one of the things that I did that was Delaware-related and Halloween-related, without ever leaving my house, was watch the entire first season of The Curious Creations of Christine McConnell. Yes, so you texted me about this, and I immediately read it as The Curious Creations of Christine O'Donnell. <laughs> and I thought it was some sort of docu-series about Christine O'Donnell, who won the, um, I guess it was the Republican nomination for the House several years ago. She, yeah, this is when Mike... Um, Mike Castle. Castle. She had she had beat him in a primary re-election, and it just upended all of the Delaware political sphere. Yes. Um, so this is actually like a. I, she's very talented, and I think that she found success like through Instagram and social media. That she was just making these amazing create like sewing, baking, like and really sculpting things. Like she, in one of the episodes, she made a ginger dead house, and it's a gigantic mansion made of gingerbread. Interesting. Um, so now she has like these 20 minute episodes on Netflix and they're sort of like the Munsters meet the Food Network. Um, and Jim Henson's Creature Shop makes up her her friends that live in this house with her. Okay. Um, and if, I love Jim Henson's Creature Shop. Right. So um, is she from Delaware or do we have another little Delaware connection? She is not. But the voice of Rankle, which is the mummified cat that's one of her pals, Okay, is voiced um, by a, a, a male voice actor who, um, who grew up in Wilmington. And what was his name? Michael Ostrom. I hadn't heard of him before. Me neither. But, you know, that's one of the great things, I think, about sort of the Hollywood scene and, and all of the content that we're being sort of blessed with right now is that there are so many people who are coming together on the production side, on the performance side, and even the voice actors, um, you know, get really involved and, and can contribute. So I did, I found out about it by reading an article in Delaware today, and I thought that you would love this quote that he gave for the article. Um, the quote is, I'm very proud to be from Delaware. I think everything I am today is a result of the great education I got there and the great environment I grew up in. Oh my gosh. I just, Dara, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I just cannot because let me tell you, I'm obviously an advocate of the environment of Delaware, but I'm also a product of public schooling, as are you, and I think a lot of times Delaware public schools get a poor reputation, and that is just not fair. They are great. So I, I don't know his whole education history, and I also am not totally sure if you would enjoy The Curious Creations because I think it might be more my speed than your speed, um, but I, I hope that you will check it out, and I know that you love giving Delawareans a leg up whenever you can. I so do, and you know, I think a lot of our listeners have different interests, and so we just like to highlight sort of some different things that you can, you can participate in or enjoy, and, and just remember that there's a hometown connection. So speaking of Delaware and Halloween, I also saw this in the news recently and that butter rum lifesavers are apparently the most popular Halloween candy in Delaware. Who is buying that? Who is handing that out to children? And who are the children that are eating this? I don't understand. I, I, I 
just don't get it. I just do not get it. I don't, I honestly don't even know where you can buy them. Like, are they just sold in a supermarket in a, like, a Lifesavers bag? Well, that's what I, I, you're right, because don't you just get, like, a mixed bag of Lifesavers? I mean, I know, I know Starburst came out with, like, only the pinks, but that wasn't, that was a limited edition. Like, who is buying these butter rum Lifesavers, like, by the five-pound bag? I got nothing for It's you. crazy. It's totally crazy. But, you know, um, I sent you this piece of news a couple weeks ago, and I think a lot of people had followed it, and it made some national headlines, and it was also crazy. But this man wrote his own obituary, or had a family member mm-hmm. write this joke obituary, but I totally read the whole thing and did not think it was a joke until I got to the very end. Really? I, I, I don't know why. I guess I just was feeling really gullible that day. But um, it was so great. So Rick Stein of Wilmington, his obituary went through this whole thing where nobody in his life actually knew his occupation. So one person thought, you know, he was um, an airline pilot. Another thought, actually, I don't think anybody thought he was an airline pilot, but they all thought he had different jobs. He was a a TV producer. He was a weatherman. He was this, that, whatever. Um, And then it turned out he had snuck out of the hospital where he was on hospice and he went to the local airport and stole a plane Mm -hmm. and flew a plane and crash landed. And then the end of the whole obituary says, or he died peacefully, you know, in his room with his wife, surrounded by his wife and family. I think it was, it's the kind of fantastical news that you want to believe. So I don't blame you for, I'm I'm glad that you escaped reality for a few minutes reading it. I think he would have liked that. I identified because I feel like if you asked everyone in my life what my job is, is um a lot of people don't really understand what my nine to five job is but then also I have my other job my side job and then also I have the podcast so I feel like you know that could be a pretty realistic and um, you've met people who think that the podcast is your full-time job everyone I meet thinks the podcast is my full-time job because I think I'm just so passionate talking about it and trying to connect with people to look for listeners to look for great guests so that we can connect more of our listeners to other great people mm-hmm. And I think something that we've talked about together is that how much time, I mean, gladly, the podcast takes up because it's not just talking to each other, but it's kind of keeping an eye on what's happening and then making an effort to go do things, which is sort of a fun job to have. But we both tried out a new restaurant this past month. Yeah, so um, we did not go together, but we both went to Bardea. Mm -hmm. So I, um, you know, last we talked, I had recently been in in a wedding and I sort of did a recap with my friend who was one of the grooms. And so we met for lunch a few days later at Bardea. And it was really good. I had a seasonal risotto, which um, pineapple is my favorite food. And I have some like close seconds. Um, but squash is up there. And so seasonal risotto, so a butternut squash risotto, is definitely in my top, my top mm-hmm. favorite foods. And then also I just want to point out that you mentioned this wedding. And then I also saw photographs on it and like a little story was published on one of the Market Street websites. Yeah, it was actually really great. So um, Ariane and Thomas were, were featured on New Market Wilmington, which is sort of a um, Wilmington news, sort of light, um, cheery news website, sort of puts Wilmington in a good light, which I love. And, you know, the same night, I, I don't know if I had mentioned this the last episode, but their wedding had their reception at the Historical Society in the Old Town Hall. But there was also a wedding at the Queen the same night. Oh, wow. Yeah. You know, and it's so funny because the Queen is home to so many different types of events. 
Um, I know I went back and saw to see Fitz in the Tantrums a few months ago. I actually was there this past week to see Andy Grammer with our friend Meredith. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, that's such a funny story because Mayor and I went to Farmer and the Cow to get burgers and beer before the show. It was a Monday, so we went for happy hour. And we're sitting at the bar. And I asked the bartender if he knew what time the doors open. And the guy sitting next to me says, well, I go on at 8. And their girl before me goes on at 7.30. So I think they're already open. And so we ended up having this really great conversation with John Splithoff, who was one of the openers for Andy Grammer. I know you love to make friends, but I did see that you post a photo about meeting the opener on Instagram. And I was kind of wondering how you did it. So I'm glad to hear the backstory. Yeah, it just happened upon him. And, um, you know, it was so funny because we posted it on Instagram. And then he did slide into the DMs and, and and said it was so nice meeting us and you know if we're ever in New York come to a show what kind of music does he do um he's he's somewhat similar to Andy not quite as um and you're heavy. on first team basis with Andy, Andy and I are friends now I mean it's a very intimate venue <laughs> Um, it's not quite as peppy, I would say, as Andy Grammer, but it's it's kind of like a, a country folksy pop kind of mm-hmm. kind of thing. So one thing that I always like to keep an ear out for when I'm like at any sort of traveling show is if they make any jokes more than just like the "What's up, Wilmington? Like, how's it tonight?" Did he do any? He like did, that? and he got it right three times. Okay, he said Wilmington and Delaware, and he got it right all three times. And we asked him, and he said it's the most terrifying moment of every single show he's ever done is saying he's always worried he's going to say the wrong city. And so now oh now you know, right, from these these performers who are going city to city, that is the most terrifying moment of the show, is saying the correct city name. I went um, in May. In May, I ended up just, like, for fun um, at this dance performance. I didn't realize how deep I was going in, but it was actually, like, hardcore dancing with the star fans at um, the DuPont Theater. And I was just like, you know what? This will be a fun night. I took Gretchen for our friend Gretchen for her birthday. And then um, the two main Dancing with the Stars people, they came out sort of in the middle of it and they were making some jokes. And they called Wilmington. I did find this like a little funny. Like the first Ikea settlement. Because they were making a joke about the Swedes settling. Oh, yes. We, we did have the first Swedish settlement. That was our roots. But... Um, we actually don't have an Ikea don't in the have state, of Ikea Delaware. state of Delaware. So that joke probably landed kind of poorly. Um, or maybe just being retold. Just being retold. Just being, <laughs> it's, it's on me. It's all on me. <laughs> um, so is there anything that we've been up to that we haven't covered yet or that you are excited to share with me? Yeah, so I had a pretty low-key weekend. Um, I thought I was going to have plans Friday night, and that sort of didn't pan out, um, which was nice. I got to stay home with Nutmeg, and um, you know her two favorite activities are acting like a wild animal and resting. There is no in-between. And watching TV. Right. Well, that's part of resting. Did she watch Chilling Adventures? She did not. Um, we were at home on Saturday... I'm trying to think what we were watching. Oh, we tried watching the new Sabrina on Netflix. Yeah, um, I was I was acting like I I didn't say Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. Of Sabrina. Um, Nutmeg was not super into it. I have not made a decision yet. Nutmeg really likes when there are dogs on the TV. There's a cat. Yeah, she's not into that. So um, we might have to try it again. But on Saturday, after we rested and watched TV, we actually headed over to Belfont Brewing Company. 
um, because my friends Jess and Joe had put together an event there and I really wanted to be supportive and get a chance to see my friends. And we're actually so lucky because they're here in the Della Darling studio with us to chat about it. Hey guys. Hi. So Emily, tell me how you know Jess and Joe. So um, Jess and I actually met probably three years ago at this point. Yeah, I think um, it's about that. We worked in the same building for the same company doing completely <laughs> different things. But because we were both sort of the, the only millennials in the office and um, just sort of being young women, um, we, we bonded, I think, pretty quickly. Yeah, I think it was pretty instantaneous. I, I do remember, I think you started in September, October, and at Christmas, we were in the office working between Christmas and New Year's, and, and our friend Mindy was still was still with the company. She left shortly after that, but um, Mindy and I wanted to go get our nails done on our lunch break one day during that week when no one was in the office, and I was like, I, you know, we should see if Jess wants to go get her nails done. And I think that was our first real move toward friendship. And it's been pretty great ever since. <laughs> yeah, we. I think we've built a pretty good friendship over the years, and um, you, you know, you and Joe are great. So I met Joe through you. He's your your partner um, in crime and in other things. But um, one of the awesome things you guys have always done for me since I've had Nutmeg is you guys babysit my dog. You also babysit my parents' crazy dogs, and so many of the listeners don't realize this, but that means four wild animals. Um, and Joe is actually the, the official photographer of the hashtag Guillaume dogs. That's very true. They are all so photogenic. Mm -hmm. When they sit still, which is not very often. And never at the same time. You can only get three. Three at a time. That is, that is the max. Four is a miracle. Three is, is, is doable but difficult. And someone heard their name. As if on cue, Nutmeg has reappeared. <laughs> yes, Nutmeg, um, she's actually so excited because three of her favorite people are recording the podcast with her tonight. And so we had been, you and I, Emily, had been texting, I think, on Saturday, and you were having a very chill time with Nutmeg, and then you were like, actually, I'm going to go to this thing. And it's at Bellefonte Brewing, which I have never been there before. So could you tell me a little bit about the event and the location? And yeah, the so, so um, every, you know, our beer episode when we had Ken on to talk mm -hmm. about beer, and Dara was pretty quiet because Dara doesn't have much of an opinion on beer other than she can't drink it, so can we stop talking about it now? Um, but I love beer, and I love talking about drinking beer. And Jess and Joe are two of my favorite beer drinking friends actually um a lot of my friends can't drink beer but jess and joe they they prefer it so that's kind of fun for me um but it was great i i've wanted to go to belfont they do a lot of really great events and they do a lot of great fundraisers which i think is just so great um especially when local businesses are sort of giving back to the community in whatever way they can and this one jess and joe had helped to organize um and i think one of the things that brought jess and i really close together was that Fairly soon after we met, she was diagnosed with breast cancer. And so um, going through chemo and sort of having that experience and being sort of close friends and coworkers at that time, I think brought us really close together in that time. And so I always try to be really supportive whenever she's working on an event that's raising money for a breast cancer foundation or anything like that. So I headed over to Belfont, which is not in Belfont, Wilmington. It is in Marshallton, Wilmington, which is totally the other side, and I honestly, um, I was semi-aware that it wasn't in Belfont, but I thought that was because it was like, oh, it's a little north of that, um, but it's actually on the other side of the city, and it's sort of in a little storage 
facility like where you would rent a storage space. Yeah. Um, it's a cool little out of the way place. Yeah, but it's a brewery in the middle of a storage facility. So that's dog friendly. It is dog friendly. Um, Nutmeg cannot go because Nutmeg is very anxious. This is this is starting to be the story of my life. Does not play well um, with others currently. But I got to hang out with Jess and Joe and their new puppy, who I think they met at Belfont. Mm-hmm. We did meet her at Belfont. So tell us that story. So one of the bartenders, her name is Susan, she fosters for a local rescue, and she came in on her night off, and Neil, one of the owners of Belfont, picked up this tiny little puppy and brought her inside to where Joe and I were sitting randomly on a Tuesday and put her in my lap and it was love at first sight and now we have a puppy. Yep, she was five pounds and she fit in one hand. Oh, they are so, so sweet, sweet when they're little. Yep. Um, they're also sweet when they're big and think they're little, but they do not tire out as easily, so it is harder. Yeah, they're very cute when they're sleeping. It's my favorite. Yes. Once, um, when Nutmeg had her... Actually, when she had the wart removed, Joe, you remember yeah, the wart? Yeah, I do remember. So when she had when she had the wart from the front of her face removed, no kisses. She was she was sedated, and my um, my old roommate Arion and his husband Thomas um, Thomas told me, oh my gosh, she's so precious. I just love her because she had been sedated, <laughs> and she just he just loved her and thought she was the sweetest thing ever. And so we've always made the joke now that Thomas and my mom have the same the same favorite breed, which is sedated. Oh my god. Sleepy dog. Exactly. <laughs> um, but Molly has a great time at Belfont. It's like she is the belle of Belfont. She is. She actually stole some of my beer the night we met her. She climbed up on the bar and put her face in my beer and I was like, oh, this is our dog. So it sounds like Belfont Brewing has become a real like local watering hole for the two of you. How did you come to go there and... Joe is wearing a Belfont Brewing Company shirt right yep. now. Yeah, they were. So I, I ran into, my, my day job is I do design and illustration. Um, and I ran into, uh, through through necessity, one of the owners, Neil, um, came in to visit me one day. And, you know, I started doing work for him about a year ago. And since then, I've grown, since being a fan of beer, I obviously gravitated towards, yes, whenever you come in, obviously, I, I love doing work for you and I love your product. So um, we started going there and you know, hanging out on occasion, and that's just became our kind of a thing. And like your shirt says, it was founded in 2014? Yep. Okay. Um, And then, so the two of you, were you involved in the planning of the event that happened this past weekend? That was mostly Joe, honestly. That event was more of a, we we have a plan that we wanted to do uh, a brewed beer for boobs, and it's, we, we kind of started it a little too late. I think we're, we're going to shoot for next year and actually have a breast cancer beer. Let's so teaser, make, you guys. Yeah, coming to coming you next soon. year at Belfont. <clears throat> Hopefully. Beer for boobs. Yep. Joe Bob, you have to do it now. Um, so basically what happened is is we wanted to come up with a, a, a reason for a charity. is obviously October Breast Cancer Awareness, but we wanted to focus it on research because having Jess go through it, it was really important to have that... Uh, the money go in the right place. So I talked to Neil and he said, let's just, you know, have a day. We rate, we, you know, donate a portion of every pour towards whatever charity that you want. And Jess recommended Metaviber. So Jess, tell us more about Metaviber because I think it's probably not one of the sort of mainstream 
um, breast cancer or just cancer awareness or um, fundraising in general organizations? Metaviver, um, I came across in doing research for um, charities because I, I try to donate in some way, shape, or form every October since my diagnosis. And unfortunately, there are a lot of charities out there that don't disclose where the money they raise goes. Um, so I prefer to donate somewhere uh, that is pretty transparent and I know it's going to the right place and primarily going to, to research. Um, one of the most underfunded types of breast cancer is stage four. Uh, about two to three percent of all uh, money raised for breast cancer research goes to stage four. The rest goes to every other stage of breast cancer uh, research. So, so just... Um... For those of us who haven't been diagnosed with cancer, we're not always as familiar with all the terminology. So stage one is sort of like cancer light, correct? And then as you go through the stages, they get more and more serious um, yes. as you go, correct? Yes. So stage four is, is, stage, stage four is, is the is, last stage. It's being recognized yeah. maybe kind of late and is a much more serious diagnosis. That's the one that kills you typically. Stage four is metastatic breast cancer, um, which means it's now spread outside of the initial area that was affected. It's spread to other parts of your body. Okay. Um, your brain, your lungs, your liver. So, yeah, so I always think that's such a scary thing because um, breast cancer is sort of one of the most treatable forms of cancer. And I, I we're gonna take this to a, to a funny moment, but I do remember actually we, we were buying balloons for Joe's um, birthday one year. And we were in the car and you were driving and we were discussing how, like, at least it's just breast cancer. And don't get me wrong, that's right. very serious and it's very scary, but I believe I was trying to lighten the mood. Um, and so I decided to look up, like, what are the worst kinds of cancer you can get? And it turns out it was, it was butt cancer. It's yes. essentially the worst type of cancer. Um, and so I said, like, at least you don't have butt cancer. It's just boob cancer. And so it lightened the mood. We bought our balloons. It was a better day. I think that was probably one of our best car conversations that we've ever had with these ridiculous balloons in the backseat. Yeah, but no, I'm so glad um, to know that there are organizations that are sort of working toward the more serious, um, not just more serious cancers, but also more serious forms of breast cancer. Right, and, and Metaviver donates 100% of the funds that they raise to metastatic breast cancer research. Um, specifically, I think they try to fund uh, research grants. So... And they, they research all of the, the grants that they're putting the funds into as well. So I'm just, I found them while I was doing research and I really thought they were a great cause. So that's why I picked them for the Bruise for Boobs um, donations. Right. So before you buy anything pink, really look and make sure it's going someplace good. Yes. And, I, and I think that's true of any donation, any animal shelter, any um, cancer organization, any organization that's working toward to end homelessness, anything like that. I think it's so important. And, um, you know, Dara and I have had Ryan Catalani, who's part of um, Newcastle County's um, Family. Family Promise. I just had a moment. Um, Newcastle County's Family Promise, which works to end family homelessness. And so their organization is very small. It only has, I think, four or five full-time employees. But all those people are very dedicated to working on that problem within the community. And so I always feel like when you're looking at those organizations, a lot more of the funding can go toward the cause. And so I agree. I think it's so important to do your research and make sure you know what you're donating to and what you're supporting. Yeah, all throughout October, you'll notice a lot of things turn pink, but they don't necessarily disclose 
how that item being pink is helping to raise awareness or if a portion of the proceeds from that specific item are going to some form of breast cancer awareness or research. And so it's just important to just quick Google before you buy a pink product. And a lot of places actually don't. And that's the sad part is they just make things pink and they profit off of it. And that's something that we definitely want to avoid when you're doing anything. Right. I think you always want to make sure your money, when you're spending money to support a cause, that you are actually spending money to support the cause. Yeah. So this is my first time meeting the two of you, but I was sort of familiar with you because um, Emily would post Fight Like Jess, uh, the hashtag, Mm -hmm. and I know that she's done some other events with you, and I heard something about stomping grapes at one point. We did do um, a grape stomp at Penn's Woods Winery two years ago, I think now. I think it was about two years ago in 2016. Yes. After I was, I think I was still going through treatment when we actually did the, the grape stomping event. But that was... It was fun. That I loved that. I would totally do it again. They have not had that event since. I look every year. Yeah. It's definitely something I would do again. Um you know, I'll do pretty much anything that ends with a glass of wine. I'm really, I'm really very easily bought. Um, but that was such a great event because we got together. There were, I think, four or five of us on the team, and we stood in a big um, wooden barrel bucket, and we, we stomped grapes, and they had a valve, and as much grape juice as you could get out of your grapes poured out, and you sort of won prizes based on how many grapes you could stomp. Mm-hmm. Um but it was great, and actually, that was the first time I got a hashtag touch your boobs shirt, and it's one of my favorites. I think Joe designed them. Space Boy Clothing in downtown Wilmington produced them. Mm, right. So we've got local designer and artist, local business. I love supporting that. We're supporting a local cancer survivor um, and a good cause, and I also just love the hashtag touch your boobs campaign, and I want you so badly to share that story of how that came to be. So I, uh, a long time ago, uh, a whole nother lifetime ago, I interned for Preston Steve on WMMR. Um, When I was diagnosed with cancer, I reluctantly agreed to do a, um, a charity to raise money to help me pay for all of the medical costs because cancer is not cheap. And to promote the charity event, um, I asked Preston and Steve if I could come on and talk about it, and it was, I think it was in October as well, so it was, it, I just could just talk about breast cancer as well, and towards the end of the conversation, I tried to get across the point that every woman should be comfortable, should know her body, should be doing regular self-exams, and I could not get the words out, and I went, just touch your boobs. And he immediately got on. I was so they take your phone when you go in there, so you can't go in there. So I'm scribbling things down on my hand in, in a pen, much like I'm scribbling down now ideas. And I get it, as soon as we get out of there, I, I I jump on Facebook and I'm like, who can print me a t-shirt? I need to make these touch your boobs t-shirts. This event's coming up in what like a week or so. Yeah. And we needed to have them. So and, yeah. Yeah. We, we uh, got David, a David handful. from Space Boy. Uh, just jumped right out and was like, I'll do them for you. And he did them very, very well. And I have to say, I love the fit. Um, you know, it's a great, like I have a women's cut shirt. And so I always appreciate that because I do have a pretty slim, uh, torso and upper body. So 
I know a lot of people don't like women's cut, but I do. Um, I find it very flattering, and I love to touch your boobs. goes right across my boobs. Um, and I love to wear it out. And so I wear it around the house a lot, but it's probably not appropriate for most of the venues I go to. Um, but I got to wear it this weekend to Belfont. You did. I was so glad you wore it. You had one on. Joe's brother had one on. I did not. You I did not. Failed. I did not because I feel like you can't wear the the, the concert T-shirt to the concert. Right. So. I don't know. I feel like we should have. But either way, it's a it's a really good conversation starter. I've worn it out countless times throughout the year, and it's never gotten a negative response. Everyone sees what it is, kind of sees the pink and knows what it is. Mm -hmm. And I've started conversations about it, things like that. So it's not like it's not a bad thing. I wouldn't necessarily put it on my eleven year old son, but I have. And, <laughs> I know. mean, I think in the appropriate context, it's fine. Yeah. You know, if the if the whole goal is sort of to raise awareness and remind people that this is a real issue that is exactly. plaguing not just women in their fifties and sixties, which I think is what we mostly think about, but Jess, you were twenty eight when you were diagnosed? Yes, I was 28, and not only does it affect just women and even younger women, but it also affects men. Yeah. Right, a lot of, it's, it's a yeah. huge thing with men, and a lot of that... Um, so everyone should be touching their boobs. Everyone should be touching their boobs. Not so just the ladies. Self, self exams. Yeah, touch your own boobs. Self-breast <laughs> exams yes. are really important. <laughs> so in terms of starting conversations, and this being October, we've talked about some of the events um, that you've done in the past. Uh, is there like a conversation that you like to have every October or is there something that, that you hope to get out there or part of your story that um, you feel is sometimes overlooked or misunderstood? I don't know that I would say overlooked or misunderstood. Um, obviously, as a breast cancer survivor, it's on my mind all the time, not just during October. It's something that I find myself talking about and thinking about a lot more often than I would like to. But I think something that is important for people who are going through treatment is to hold on to whatever you can that makes you feel like you. Um, a lot of treatment really does strip away the essence of you. It, it takes everything that you hold dear and just rips it away from you while you struggle to go through all these treatments. And so something that I've done um, with Joe every summer mm -hmm. is uh, underwater photography. And when I was going through treatment, that was literally the only thing that I could do um, that I wanted to do, that I was still able to do while I was going through everything. So I went through um, chemotherapy during the summer, which meant I couldn't go in the sun, which I love being in the sun. I couldn't drink beer, and I love drinking beer. I couldn't go to the beach, but I could do our summer routine of underwater photography when the pool's open. So that's what I did. Well, rewind for a second, because we started doing this when I was pining for you. I was interested <laughs> in you. You had no clue I was interested in you. And you were my first underwater subject. This is true. So since that point, since that moment, she, she was my focus. I wanted to photograph you underwater. And that was our summer ritual. And we do them at night. It's a big production. We set up lights the whole nine yards. And then after, it, it was just our thing. We didn't care if anybody liked it. It wasn't for anybody else. It was for us. But after your diagnosis, it, it changed. It became more important. It was more important because it was, like I said, it was the only thing that I could do that was still 
me mm-hmm. during the summer. Did you notice that the series looked different or took on a different style? She was bald. I, I was, <laughs> so, I will, Joe just, I gasped a little bit when you asked that question and Joe immediately yeah. looked at me and I am imagining, I think you know the photo, right? The one where mm-hmm. Jess is in the fetal position and she's bald. I'm That's crying it. a little bit thinking about it. Me too, I'm um, going to cry. So, but I think that was probably the first like really powerful photo and you had um, just such great imagery with all of the like fabric. So mm-hmm. you've always done a lot of like sort of um, like gown style. So there's always a lot of billowing fabric going on. But once Jess was bald and it was sort of like, it was, was real. It was yeah, real. it was really yeah. real. And it was right after you had shaved your head and you were mostly wearing wigs. And um, so that for me was like a really powerful moment and, and has stayed that way for now years at this point. Now that, that particular image is, it's what I am going to sort of selfishly describe as the best photo that I've ever made. And I don't ever want to make one like it again. Um, but it's something that I give away every year. I, I donate it out. I've done talks at schools about it and things like that, and I always get upset about it. So, Joe, how long have you been a photographer, and where did you get this idea for the underwater series? Was it? Did you come up with it on your own? Did you um, see someone else's work and be inspired? Was it Jess? God, I've been a photographer since the film days of the late 90s, because I'm a little older than the millennials here at the table. But <laughs> it's essentially... Um, I wanted to shoot underwater because I, I sort of go through this routine of I, I do jobs for other people in photography and then I do I learned early on to keep pieces of it for yourself. So I decided to do underwater photography for me because I felt like doing it and oh my god there's this girl. She's amazing. Let's put her underwater because this is the one I want to be with and I want to see underwater and make great art with and then you know be with in a relationship as well. But that started my first underwater shoot was in 2012 and that's where it kind of where it was with you yep and what where was it exactly was it a pool, it was in a a studio? pool in hokesson and we shoot at night <laughs> so it's it's a it's a private pool in hokesson and it's heated so we're able to shoot um after the sun goes down and not to give away too many secrets but that's i i, I do that so that i don't have changing light mm-hmm. so that all my photos have a consistency and are you in like a wetsuit under Nope, no, I'm you're above. Totally naked, okay. underneath you're, my okay, bathing suit. Okay, you're No, what? No, I wear a normal bathing suit. Um, sometimes I wear a weight belt or whatever, but you know, it's it requires a lot of communication. So the actual process is we discuss what we're going to do. We both go underwater at the same time. We do the routine, the pose, whatever. Come back up, look at the photos, discuss what we may or may not have done well or poorly, and redo them or move on to the next thing. By discuss, he means bicker. Yeah, like what are you doing? <laughs> Yeah. Stop doing that with your face. Now, I have two questions. One is, I know you have shot Ellen underwater. So Ellen Durkin was a guest we had a few weeks ago on the podcast. She is a blacksmith. She does forged fashion. Um, and she's just a fascinating person, an artist. And we just love talking to her and getting to see her shop. Um, so I know you have done photos of Ellen underwater because we talked about she sort of retired a piece with a bang by doing an underwater shoot yeah. but have you really shot anyone else underwater or is this yes. kind of a more intimate activity for you guys no I've photographed quite a few people underwater in fact last year was the I, I photographed 
what, like seven different people that weren't you underwater? Yeah, which is weird for me. Yeah, it was, so Jess was more the lifeguard. She still had her shoots. So, so Jess is a, a PA, she's a production assistant. Yeah, yes. so no, she was in basically like giving lessons, like, you know, you think this is easy, haha, kind of a thing. <laughs> that but, was my favorite. And prior to that, I'd only photographed one other couple. It was an, another friend of yours from the WMMR days that came down and wanted a Christmas card done. Oh my and we gosh. We photographed it in the summertime and they did James Bond underwater. That's so That's interesting. Really so wild. But so this past year, this past summer, or I'm sorry, last summer, we did quite a few things. I photographed for a, um, for your friend Laura, who is putting out an album. I think it's called Sola. And she, that's her, her it's a pop album, and I did her album cover. For those who are interested, um, her name is Sola, S-O-L-A, and you can find her on Facebook. She's also on Instagram, Sola in Love. So definitely check her out. We love to support local artists, including local musicians and singers. Um, so in addition to that, which sounds like you're doing some commissions, I think that our listeners and others have probably seen your work. Um, in local media and in a couple galleries. Could you tell us a little bit about your different, um, your series and where they might have happened across it? Sure. Our, we, we call the series Hold Your Breath, obviously for, it's underwater. And every now and then we get featured in an industry website. So when, when Jess was first diagnosed, it, it caught the eye of some of the industry people and they, they posted us on fstoppers.com the local newspaper, the News Journal, picked us up and ran a special on us. There were a few other places. I think another um, gear website actually picked us up because they wanted to interview me about what kind of gear I was using underwater. And then they turned it into, but it's October, so here's the breast cancer time. I love that. I love kind taking of sort of the technical side and, mm -hmm. and bringing the humanities into it as well. I think yeah. that's great. And then, maybe not related to the this series, no, but I remember... One of the underwater photos was featured on the cover of Out and About, I think maybe last Halloween. Yeah, so we had a show at the Delaware Contemporary um, a couple years ago, and then I, I met with Jim Miller from Out and About. He's the publisher of Out and About magazine, and we've kept in touch. I've done a few charity events, donated photos and stuff for his Parkinson's events and things like that, and he reached out um, last summer and said, hey, I want to do a spooky cover but I want it to be one of your underwater photos. Can you, you have somebody look like a ghost? Um, so naturally I was, I wanted Jess to be that person. And so we did this, this uh, three series of underwater shoots to get the one image that we got because we're very picky about what we do. A lot of times we'll go and we'll shoot a couple hundred photos and not use any of them. Um, now, now, who is pickier, the model or the photographer? Me. For sure. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, it's definitely him. I mean, they, they definitely have to pass her eye. And like, I have to go, I like these, are these okay? And then she'll look at them and say, I like this one, I like my butt in this one, I don't look good in this one. I feel like my perspective would, would align with Jess, that I'm yeah. like trying to make sure all the parts look the right size in proportion to everything else, you yep. know? Yeah. Yeah, and then we, you know, I have to make sure that I did my job the right way and that those two things merge and hopefully we make a good photo out of it. Yeah, so... Um, that's so great. You guys are featured in so many different um, groups and, and out and about, but also you've been featured in the News Journal. Correct. Yeah. And so I loved that story. I think that was that was the photo we had been talking about was we, featured. We were in there twice, actually. One of Once for just random, here's the like local talent underwater guy, and the second one was for your, um, for the breast cancer photos. So that was, 
So I'm curious, and I'm sort of going in a different direction now, but I'm curious, and this is really for Jess. So does he make you hold your breath for a very long time? And does he make you hold still? Or are you able to sort of like move, and as you move, he's just capturing the movement and hoping you get something out of it? It really depends on what we're doing specifically underwater. But yes, you do have to hold your breath the entire time. Um, otherwise, there's a lot of bubbles, and that doesn't always look great. Sometimes that is the look that you're going for, but most of the time we want a much more clean, polished look. So I'm trying not to blow bubbles because um, it's, I don't think it looks as well. Um, and you're also not trying not to look like a chipmunk. Yes. So there's a, there's a lot that goes into doing an underwater photo, which is why it was my favorite this year when he photograph so many other people underwater because they're like oh I'm a great swimmer this will be fantastic and they get on like that's actually really hard oh, no you're trying not to blow out you're trying not to hold air in you're also trying to have a face that is beautiful and not contorted to like yeah. I'm, I'm trying not to blow air out and also not have chipmunk cheeks mm -hmm. don't look like you're about to suffocate don't blow bubbles out of your nose because then you have that like bull ring looking air coming out of your nose Make sure that your body is doing what you want it to be doing and then hope that your hair is not in your face if you have any hair, which for a whole summer I didn't realize what a blessing that was to not have to, <laughs> to, not have to worry about my hair in my face. Um, if you've got fabric, you got to make sure that that's doing what you want it to do. It, and then you still don't really know what it looks like until you get out of the pool and look at the photos. And half the time you're like, oh, I could have done that better. Oh, I could have done that better. So we do rely a lot on each other to, you know, oh, that looked really good, but your leg was doing this weird wonky thing. Like, oh, that was really good, but you blew bubbles that time. Like, oh, you, you look like you're struggling in the face. Like, you need to right. calm down a little bit. Right. One thing is, too, is I don't think you realize how good you've gotten at it until we brought other people in and you were almost their coach. So we brought in Ellen Durkin, as you mentioned. We brought in uh, Kristen Margiata who was a painter who you've talked about before. Yeah, we, um, we love Kristen. She recently had a show at RH Gallery, and um, I met, you introduced me to Rick mm -hmm. Hidalgo, who's the owner um, and sort of creative mind of the gallery that night, and then I actually was at El Toro just eating tacos and drinking margaritas by myself at the bar, and Rick was at El Toro eating tacos and drinking margaritas at the bar. And so we ended up in a really great conversation just chatting about art and, and his, you know, his connection with you and my connection with you and, and all those great things. So, um, yeah, it sort of all comes full it, circle. It and really and everybody knows everybody in the industry it here. Is. Because we, our goal was to photograph local artists underwater. And then I showed them at Rick's Gallery. Um, last last year, mm -hmm. last October, for their we did a joint show. Ellen, Kristen, myself, Rick, um, we all had that in there. So all these photos of these local artists were in there. But the point was is that Jess would come in and be like, "Oh, this is how you do it," and they would stand underwater for like five, ten seconds, hope to get a good photo. Meanwhile, this girl can hold her breath for almost two minutes. She, and she cannot be blowing bubbles or doing chipmunk yes. cheeks at the same yeah. time. It's extremely, <laughs> it's, a, it's a talent. And she says a lot of times, I don't really have a talent. Like that's, yes, yes you do. I didn't realize well, how long I hold but my Jess, breath until I, don't I know watch that that's a people talent. do it. I don't know that that's a talent. I think that's a finely honed skill. And that's much is. more impressive. Yes. Oh, thanks. So I know in my conversation with Rick, he and I were talking about sort of some collaborations that he does with various artists and one that he's looking forward to doing with you guys as a fine artist who specializes in resin mm -hmm. um, 
is you guys are doing projections now. So not only are you taking photos underwater, and so we've seen sort of Jess in the nude, we've seen Jess with a lot of billowing fabrics, but now we're starting to see Jess with projections. So you're actually drawing um, like almost like slides, I guess, and then projecting them with light onto her. And I, I have to ask, is that a different experience? And how has that been for you guys? It's difficult because, so basically what we, we start with is we start with me drawing a bunch of colors that look good projected on her body. And we've shot them in studio and they're great. She doesn't have to move. In fact, you don't really want to move too much um, to get the still photos. Uh, but when we try, when we, we decided to immediately take that underwater. And I well, think, that's your signature. Yeah, I think so that's, you know, something that's special to the two of you. Was, we so, can do it on land. Can we do it, can, it underwater? It was an escalation moment where it had to go to something totally different. And when we took that underwater, it was a huge challenge because normally Jess moves a lot and we rely on that movement to get the whimsical, surreal looks that she gives us. But for the projection, it was a lot of move three inches to your left so that this pink band goes across your face. It was very, very, very difficult to get the colors to line up on her body where we wanted them. So, so that leads me back to, you guys had discussed, you take some photos, then you discuss them, you take some photos. Yes. But I can't imagine Jess is able to stay in the exact same position so you can discuss moving three inches to the left. So how are you guys communicating yelling. during that process? Yelling, a lot of yelling. But are you yelling underwater? <laughs> no, 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 no. You actually you can't hear each other underwater. Um, the way that he gets my attention when I'm, I've been holding my breath for too long and either something's not firing, it looks bad, I've completely ended up on the other side of the pool, which yeah. is a thing, um, he snaps. That's the only way that he can tell me to stop, stop what I'm doing and come up for air because it's not working. So I'm not scuba certified, but I did start to take the classes a couple years ago, and one of the ways that you communicate underwater is to smack your fist into your open palm or snap your fingers. But if you have a glove on, you can't snap. So is that meant to get the other person's attention? Yeah, it's, okay. the sound travels well underwater. Okay. It's a smacking sound. Mm -hmm. Well, it's all vibratory, is that yeah, the word? Well, but they, it's all vibration, you right? Really so you can, hear, you can hear sounds. The water slows you down from clapping. So if you make a fist, smack your hand into your palm, smack your fist into your palm, it resonates underwater better than if you were trying to shout or make a noise. But to answer your question about going back and forth about the photos, um, so when you're when we do the stuff with the the fabrics, you are constantly moving a lot, but eventually you have to stop and reset. The fabric is now completely untangle. Yes, yeah, literally <laughs> untangle. It's wrapped around your feet, or it's flown to the other side of the pool. Right, but we're also when we're doing that, we're using a strobe, so we're photographing at night. So the, the movement gets frozen when the light fires, like the, sh the flash fires, right, basically. Right, right. But for the projection, it's a constant light, so she has to stay still. Yeah, so then you have to let go of your position or whatever you're doing, and then convene where I can stand so that I stop drowning, and look at either the back of the camera or listen to what he's telling me, and then try to find your position again, which with the projections is looking at the colors on the bottom of the pool and being like, I think my foot was on that pink band. Yeah. So it's like playing Twister. Yes. It really is. <laughs> it's a lot of work, but it's totally worth it because normally when we hit our stride like two-thirds of the way through, we're like, this is it, this is perfect. We can bang out the rest pretty quickly, and then at that point we're done because we don't want to do too many of the same thing. We want to like save some for next time or change the drawing or something like that. Usually by then I'm, I'm also freezing, so yeah, I'm, I'm done. Right. I've tapped out. 
But the, the projections are interesting because I can't see it on myself and I can't feel what's going on because there's no fabric. So it's just me naked underwater. And you're picturing it and taking direction, but not really sure if you're taking the direction correctly. Right. So I'm like, oh, what does this look like? And you do something with your arms, you do something with your legs. And he's like, that looks good, except for the colors are not landing on you in a flattering way. So you need to move two inches to your right. Nope, move two inches to your left. Okay, well I moved two inches to my left and now I can't stand. That's too deep for me. I can't stay right. in this position because I can't I can't pop out of it. It's I like a, to be it's a, right. It's a and lot I, of micro adjustments, but with communication we're able to get it fairly quickly. Yeah. How long can you hold that position? I can't. For those of the listeners that have heard about your you and your work for the first time, where can they go and um, see your work, either virtually or in person right now? Everywhere on social media and on the web, if you type Bojography, P-H-O-J-O-E-G-R-A-P-H-Y, you will find me and Jess. So that's Photography.com, yep. at Photography yep. on Twitter, Instagram. Facebook. Do you have a Facebook page? Yes. Yes, at yeah. Photography. Yep. So um, you can find Joe and all his beautiful photos of Jess. And you can follow me from there because I have about six different handles on all of the things. <laughs> yes, but she is tagged in everything. Yes. So um, we didn't really talk at all. You guys obviously are based out of Delaware now. I know you live in Newark, but we didn't really talk about sort of your, your Delaware life. Um, I know you do all of your photos in a, in a private pool in Hogasin. Um, Nutmeg likes to play fetch at that private pool in Hogasin, I have heard. <laughs> she, um, does. she does, yes. Um, and so tell us a little bit about what you guys like doing in Delaware and your favorite spots other than Belfont and sort of what you guys have coming up. We are total art nerds. We run in an art crowd and we actually spend a lot of our time out over at Oddity Bar. That's exactly what I was going to yeah, say. That's our favorite spot, I think. That's it's. So it's, they always have the Oddity Art Hall? Oddball Art Hall. Oddball Art Hall. Mm -hmm. um, and that's once a month, correct? Third Friday of every month. It's So what do they do over Thanksgiving? Because won't that be third Ooh, good, good question. I don't Ooh. know if they'll do it. We'll have to find out. So keep an eye out. If yeah. not, Jess and Joe will see you there in December. Yeah, if you look up Oddball Art Hall on Facebook, it's curated by Kristen Margiata and Pat Higgins. And they they set up um, a live drawing. They invite non-artists and artists alike to come in. They have little vendor tables set up so you can come in and look at local artists, buy their stuff. for you know We Christmas shop there quite a bit. We like to buy from local artists, just gifts, stuff like that. So for those who have tuned in because they like beer and they like art, this is, seems like a happy marriage. It is a very happy it is, place. It's free to attend. Everybody is extremely friendly. If you are a local artist looking to uh, have a vending table at this event, you can reach out to um, either of the curators, Kristen Margiata or Pat Higgins. If you just reach out to the Oddball Art Hall. Oddball Otterall, or if they reach out to you or us, we'll be glad yeah, to put we'll everybody right in um, in contact. <laughs> we had another visit from Nutmeg, sorry. Nutmeg loves her official photographer. <laughs> so um, we like to end the episodes with sort of giving our what's, what's going on in the next couple of weeks. I know for me, um, I won tickets at the Queen. I love going to the Queen. Everyone knows this. So while I was at Andy Grammer, I won some tickets to the Decades Collide event at the Queen in a couple of weeks, November 8th. So it's actually going to be 
DJ Biz Markey, who had a one-hit wonder in, I think, 1989. Um, but he's doing an 80s versus 90s party. And so I think it's going to be really fun. I'm really excited to sort of maybe dress up like as Baby Spice, that kind of thing. Um, maybe posh, maybe sporty. Probably sporty because that's really what I own. You have a lot of sporty stuff. I do have a lot of sporty stuff. I stayed up until 10 o'clock last night to wash my gym clothes. So I'd have gym clothes this morning because that's... Also, I said 10 o'clock as if that was very late, and for me it was, because I work out every morning. Um, but I'm really, really looking forward to that. But Jess and Joe, what do you guys have, have like actually coming up that you're looking forward to? We are going to um, the Brazilian Steakhouse in Newark. Uh, I believe next weekend for a friend's birthday party. Have you ever been there? I have never been there. It's in Newark Shopping Center, which everyone on the podcast knows I frequent because that is where Orange Theory is. Right. And we can't really say the name, but it's... Oh, so I'm yeah. going <laughs> to so make we're... an attempt. I apologize to those who speak Portuguese, but we are going with the Churrascaria Saudades Brazilian Steakhouse in the Newark Shopping Center. And I have heard so many good things. And... I've had so many events where people are, are saying, oh, we're going to go to dinner, we're going to do this thing, I think we're going to go here, and then we don't go there. And so I have still never been, but it's I think it's blast. on my list. We've, we've been there once, um, and we absolutely loved it. It was fantastic. You should definitely go. Check that. We've been there a few times. We, the Newark Beer Brewfest, I think it is, yes. in the summertime. They, they do count the, that the, the eating thing. No, but we always stop by and we have an appetizer, and then we go, we're going to come back here for dinner, and then we end up not. But we well, finally went. No, we finally went, and it's fantastic. I mean, okay. if you're a carnivore, it's beautiful. So you guys are looking forward to it. I've heard it's like they come to the table, and there's just constantly food coming to the table. Yes. And I, you know, there are several things in life I believe I was meant for. I have now learned um, I was meant to drive a red car. Recently replaced my red car with a red car. Nice. I was meant to go to NASCAR. I did not know this until I was 27 years old and was invited to NASCAR. And it turns out I love NASCAR. And I also love to eat meat and have food delivered to me at a high frequency. <laughs> so you were meant to go here because you literally have a, um, a uh, coaster, coaster yeah. that's green on one side and red on the other, and green means go, which means they will continuously bring meat to your face hole. So until I, you tell them not to. So I have no allergies. So I'm just leaving it on green the whole time. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Now D, that won't. That probably wouldn't work for you. You have to be a little more considerate about what you're eating um, just because of your, your allergies. But since you can't go to the Brazilian Steakhouse, what are you looking forward to? November's already kind of busy with just like family stuff and work stuff. So The holidays are hard and they start, they start earlier and earlier every year. Yes. Um, I'm looking forward to just kind of like laying low when I have the chance, and then I have a few opportunities. I'm gonna see um, another play this month. I am hopefully going to get some reading done. I'm. I know that you're teaching a class. I'm taking a class, and we're just kind of trying to get through the fall and get to the holidays. We are getting to the holidays, and we're really excited for the content we have coming up for you guys. So we. Hope you guys enjoyed our chat with Joe Hadanot and Jess McIntern. And we look forward to chatting with you guys next month. Thanks for listening to the Della Darling Podcast. If you want to follow us on social media, we are at Della Darling Pod on Instagram and Twitter and the Della Darling on Facebook.